0: and current events from the housetops coming up next.
1: over 5 million people venture on pilgrimage to Lourdes in southern France. Countless are the devout faithful who have received spiritual strength and physical healing at this world-famous Marian Shrine. Here in 1858, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared 18 times to a little 14-year-old girl, Marie Bernadette Subaru. The first of Our Lady's apparitions to her was on February 11th. The last was on July 16th, the feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. St. Bernadette described Our Lady, whom she saw in the grotto not far from her home, as wearing a white dress and a white veil, a blue belt, and a yellow rose on each foot. Bernadette became the recipient of Mary's request for conversion through sacrifice and prayer. On more than one occasion, Our Lady repeated, Penance, 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 pray for sinners. The Mother of God also revealed to her young messenger, I do not promise to make you happy in this world, but in the other. Four years prior to Our Lady's appearances at Lourdes, Pope Pius IX had defined the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception, that in view of the anticipated merits of Jesus Christ, and because she was to be the Mother of God, Mary was preserved from the stain of original sin. At Lourdes, Mary did not say to Bernadette, I was immaculately conceived, but rather I am the Immaculate Conception, thereby letting us know that she was God's very notion of this grace from all eternity. St. Bernadette Subaru later became a Sister of Charity at Nevers, and after a life of prayer and suffering died on April 16, 1879. She was canonized by Pope Pius XI in 1933. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. St. Bernadette, pray for us. first miraculous cures at Lourdes. On Sunday evening, February 28, 1858, a most heart-rending scene took place in the home of a poor laborer. A child, two years old, Justin Pohohart, was suffering from chronic post-infective malnutrition with retarded motor development and was little by little dying of tuberculosis. Doctors had already given a pope on him, so now, crippled from birth, and worn out by a slow, lingering fever, he was at death's door. The father, calm and resigned, and the mother, hysterical with grief, looked on as his life was slowly ebbing away. A sympathetic neighbor was already preparing the linen for the baby's burial. The little one's eyes had become glassy, its limbs rigid, the pulsations of the heart almost imperceptible. He is dead, cried the father. I'll see to everything, said the neighbor to the disconsolate mother. Go and weep by the fireplace. But the mother did not seem to understand. Suddenly, seizing her child from the cradle, she wrapped it in her apron, crying, He is not dead. The virgin of the grotto will cure him. And she dashed out of the house. Do not hinder me, she cried as her husband tried to intercept her. I'm running to the virgin. And off she fled with her precious burden. It was five o'clock in the afternoon, and many hundreds of persons had congregated at the grotto. The poor woman, praying aloud, dragged herself upon her knees to the edge of the fountain, recently dug by quarrymen, to gather water from the spring uncovered by Bernadette. Uncovering the seemingly lifeless little form, she made the sign of the cross upon it. Then, without a moment's hesitation, she plunged him into the icy waters, up to the head, The spectators were horrified. She's crazy. She is going to kill her child. Do not prevent me, cried the mother. I'm doing what I can. God and the Virgin will do the rest. After an immersion of fifteen minutes, she withdrew the little body from the water. He was as rigid as a corpse. In all haste, she returned to her home and laid the little form in the cradle. Can you not see that he is dead, cried the father. No, said she, he is not dead. "'the Blessed Virgin will cure him.' "'After a few brief moments, the mother shouted, "'He is breathing!' "'It was true. "'The little child breathed and slept peacefully, "'awaking the following morning perfectly rested, "'rosy-cheeked, and a smile on his lips. "'Soon he cried for nourishment, which he took with delight. "'He was cured not only of his fever, "'but also of his other infirmities. "'During the day, having been left alone for a moment,' He jumped from his cradle, and when his mother arrived, he ran and threw himself into her arms. It was the first time that the child had ever walked. Dr. Verghese, in reporting the case officially, concluded in these terms, the mother, to obtain her child's recovery, had recourse to means condemned by experience and medical reasoning. And still she obtained it. This cure was effected without the ordinary stages of convalescence, and in a most supernatural fashion. Doctors Perouse and Dessus reported on the case in like manner. On the 50th anniversary of the apparitions of Lourdes, August 1908, a contingent of 350 people who had been miraculously cured took part in the solemn procession with banners in hand. At their head was their dean, Justin Behohart. Justin lived and was well known in Lourdes, he died at the age of 79. On December 8, 1933, he attended St. Bernadette Subaru's canonization in Rome. There lived at Lourdes in 1858 a poor man named Louis Bourriette. He was a quarryman, one employed in extracting marble from the quarries which were abundant in that region. Twenty years before, he was the victim of a terrible accident. As a result of a badly timed explosion, his right eye had been half-crushed by a chip of stone. At the same time, his brother Joseph was killed at his side. He came near to dying, and in spite of the enlightened and assiduous care of Dr. de Seuss, the same who examined Bernadette in her ecstasy, the poor miner's sight had grown worse from year to year. A faint light is all that the eye could discern, so much so that, in closing the left eye, he could not distinguish a man from a tree. Notwithstanding all the efforts of science, nothing could be done to restore the use of the affected organ." Known and beloved in the whole town, Buryet was a man of faith, a true Christian. He was married and the father of a family. He had heard of the marvelous things which were occurring at the grotto, and in particular of the spring which had gushed forth. "'Go and get me some of that water,' he said to his daughter. "'The Blessed Virgin, if it be her, has only to wish it, and I will be cured.' Half an hour later the child brought a little of the still muddy water, father she said this is only muddy water never mind said the good Bouriette, beginning to pray he rubbed his lost eye with the water then he gave a loud cry a cry of joy and gladness he began to tremble with emotion the darkness which for 20 years had deprived him of sight was dispelled there only remained a sort of slight dimness like the mists of the morning he continued praying and bathing his eye The mist gradually disappeared, and he could clearly distinguish objects. He was cured. "'I am cured,' he cried, running up to Dr. de on the street the next day. "'Impossible,' said the doctor. "'You have an injury that is absolutely incurable. "'The treatment which I made you follow was only to ease your pain. "'It could not restore your sight.' "'It is not you who has cured me,' answered the quarryman, still much agitated. "'It is the Blessed Virgin of the Grotto.' That Bernadette has ecstasies which cannot be explained is certain, said the doctor, shrugging his shoulders. I have verified that myself. But that the water which gushed forth from the grotto from some unknown cause suddenly cures the incurable is not possible. So saying, he took out his notebook and wrote some words in it with a lead pencil. Stay, he said to Buryet. Then, putting his hand upon Buryet's good eye, he placed the phrase he had just written before the affected eye. With an air of triumphant defiance, the eminent doctor said, If you can read this, I will believe you. The passers-by had gathered around him. Immediately, with a strong voice and without the slightest hesitation, Buryet read the following words, Buryet has an incurable amaurosis, and he will never be cured. The doctor stood astonished. He was a man of science, but also a man of conscience, and he did not hesitate to acknowledge in this sudden cure of an incurable affliction the intervention of a superior power. I cannot deny it, he cried. It is a miracle, a real miracle. It overpowers me. Yet one has to submit before such evidence. I am amazed, but the fact is evident. It is beyond all that poor human science can do. Louis Buryat's cure was all the more remarkable, in that the miracle healed all the scars of the wound. Louis, almost crazed with joy, related the details to all who would listen. In the guild to which Buriet belonged, this wonderful event created unbounded enthusiasm. A number of quarrymen returning from their work proceeded with their tools to Massabiel and chiseled in the rock a new path in order to facilitate the approach to the grotto.
0: Hey, this is Jim and Joy Pinto from At Home with Jim and Joy for WQPH Catholic Radio, 89.3 FM.
1: Serving Shirley, Fitchburg, and the world. God bless you.
0: So, Connie, talking about a busy week, were you here when we had Father Andre come from New Bedford to do the
1: cenacle for Priests? Yes, I was. Incidentally, Father comes from a place a little bit, further away (laughs) than New Bedford. Hmm. He comes from the western part of Australia, Hmm.
0: Perth. Perth, yes, that's a beautiful place. So we were very grateful to have Father come from New Bedford. His reason for coming was to lead us in the formation of cenacles for Priests. We are hoping that Prayers for Life will have time and energy and the blessing to create a lot of little prayer cells just to pray for our priests. Our parish priests worked very, very hard. And so we did a group, Cynical, to the Marian movement of priests. If you will have an idea that you might want to form one, you could call us, 617-459-8735. We had about 25 people here, Connie, and that was a beautiful rosary that he prayed. And then he had us kneel, if we could, and pray the consecration to Our Lady. This is the way to change the world. Our priests need our prayers. Thank you, Connie, for coming.
1: In addition to being a very holy priest, he has a very keen sense of humor. Hope to
0: be seeing more of him and more prayer synacles. Thank you, Connie.
2: We now invite you to join us in prayer for the protection of all human life from conception until natural death as we recite the chaplet of St. Michael the Archangel The chaplet is led by Joe Scheidler, the National Director of the Pro-Life Action League, if you have a personal prayer intention. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it
3: was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
2: By the intercession of Saint Michael and his celestial choir of cherubim, may the Lord grant us the grace to leave the ways of sin and run in the paths of Christian perfection.
3: God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
3: As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
2: By the intercession of Saint Michael and the Celestial Choir of Thrones, may the Lord infuse into our hearts a true and sincere spirit of humility.
1: On the WQPH Community Calendar.
0: In 2023, we're expecting to have tour two of the Holy Face Relic with Vicki Schreiner. As you know, she came here last year. We had five really major miracles happen. She's hoping to come in Lent. So if you want to be on the committee or maybe have her come to your church, we'd like to send her to different churches this time. Call us at 978-343-0893 and say, I'd like... To have Vicki come to our parish, but I'm going to ask my priest first if he'd like us to come. Also, we have coming up in Lent, 40 hours, which is 40 continuous hours of Eucharistic adoration. We also have a pilgrimage this year, 2023, going to Canton, Ohio. That is the shrine of Rhoda Wise and Mother Angelica. And we ask you, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? would like to do some day trips to Little Rose Farron, So we'll have a bus hired at a very modest price, and we can be going there and then stopping for lunch. I know some of you have some great ideas of what you would like our radio station to do. We have to be active. We have to evangelize our faith. It's our duty to help spread our Catholic faith. So if you have any suggestions of your own as to how this can be done, by all means, share them with
2: us. Hi, this is Tom Price from EWTN saying thanks for listening to WQPH 89.3 FM, Catholic radio
1: serving Shirley, Fitchburg, and the world. In this segment, we continue St. Louis de Montfort's treatment of true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary is queen of all hearts. From what has already been said, we can conclude that Mary has received from God a great domination over the souls of the elect, For she cannot make her residence in them, as God the Father ordered her to do, and as their mother, form, nourish, and bring them forth into eternal life. She cannot, I say, do all of these things, unless she has a right and a domination over their souls by a singular grace of the Most High, who, having given her power over his only and natural son, has given it also to her over his adopted children, not only as to their bodies, which would be but a small matter, but also as to their souls. Mary is the queen of heaven and earth by grace, as Jesus is the king of them by nature and by conquest. Now as the kingdom of Jesus Christ consists principally in the heart, or the interior of man, according to the words, the kingdom of God is within you, in like manner the kingdom of our blessed lady is principally in the interior of man, that is to say his soul. And it is principally in souls that she is more glorified with her son than in all visible creatures, and so we can call her, as the saints do, the queen of all hearts. In the second place, we must conclude that the Most Holy Virgin, being necessary to God by a necessity which we call hypothetical, in consequence of his will, she is far more necessary to men, in order that they may attain their last end. We must not confuse devotion to the Blessed Virgin with devotions to the other saints, as if devotion to her were not far more necessary than devotion to them. The learned and pious Jesuit Suarez, the erudite and devout Justus Lipsius, Doctor of Louvain, and many others have proved invincibly from the sentiments of the fathers, including St. Augustine, St. Ephraim, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, St. Germanus of Constantinople, St. John Damaschine, St. Anselm, St. Bernard, St. Bernardine, St. Thomas Aquinas, and St. Bonaventure, that devotion to Our Blessed Lady is necessary to salvation, and that even in the opinion of Echolampadius and other heretics, it is an infallible mark of reprobation to have no esteem and love for the Holy Virgin, while, on the other hand, it is an infallible mark of predestination to be entirely and truly devoted to her. The figures and words of the Old and New Testaments prove this. The sentiments and the examples of the saints confirm it. Reason and experience teach and demonstrate it. Even the devil and his crew, constrained by the force of truth, have often been obliged to avow it in spite of themselves. Among all the passages of the Holy Fathers and doctors of the Church, I quote just one, St. John Damascene. To be devout to you... O Holy Virgin, is an arm of salvation which God gives to those whom he wishes to save. I could bring forward here many anecdotes which prove the same thing, and among others, one which is related in the Chronicles of St. Francis. This same saint saw in ecstasy a great ladder ascending into heaven, at the top of which stood the Blessed Virgin, and by which it was shown him he must ascend to reach heaven. There is another related in the Chronicles of St. Dominic. There was an unfortunate heretic near Carcassonne, where St. Dominic was preaching the rosary, who was possessed by a legion of fifteen thousand devils. These evil spirits were compelled, to their confusion, by the command of Our Blessed Lady to avow many great and consoling truths touching devotion to the Blessed Virgin. And they did this with so much force and so much clearness that it is impossible to read this authentic account and the eulogy which the devil made in spite of himself of devotion to the most holy virgin without shedding tears of joy however lukewarm we may be in our devotion to her if devotion to the most holy virgin is necessary to all men simply for working out their salvation it is still more so for those who are called to any special perfection and i do not think anyone can acquire an intimate union with our lord and a perfect fidelity to the Holy Ghost without a very great union with the Most Holy Virgin and a great dependence on her assistance. It is Mary alone who has found grace before God, without the aid of any other mere creature. It is only through her that all those who shall come afterward shall find it. She was full of grace when she was greeted by the Archangel Gabriel at the Annunciation, and she was superabundantly filled with grace by the Holy Ghost when he covered her with his unspeakable shadow. And she has so augmented this double plenitude from day to day and from moment to moment that she has reached a point of grace immense and inconceivable, in such wise that the Most High has made her the sole treasurer of his treasures and the sole dispenser of his graces, to ennoble, to exalt, and to enrich whom she wishes, to give entry to whom she wills into the narrow way of heaven, to bring whom she wills, and in spite of all obstacles, through the narrow gate of life, and to give the throne, the scepter, and the crown of king to whom she wills. Jesus is everywhere and always the fruit and the son of Mary, and Mary is everywhere the veritable tree who bears that fruit of life, and the true mother who produces it. It is Mary alone to whom God has given the keys of the cellars of divine love, and the power to enter into the most sublime and secret ways of perfection, and the power likewise to make others enter in there also. It is Mary alone who has given to the miserable children of Eve, the faithless, entry into the terrestrial paradise, that they may walk there agreeably with God, hide there securely against their enemies, feed themselves there deliciously without further fear of death, on the fruit of the trees of life, and of the knowledge of good and evil, and drink in the heavenly waters of that fair fountain which gushes forth there with abundance. Or rather, since she is herself that terrestrial paradise, that virgin and blessed earth from which Adam and Eve, the sinners, have been driven, she gives no entry there except to those whom it is her pleasure to make saints. All the rich among the people, to make use of the expression of the Holy Ghost from Psalm 44. According to the explanation of Saint Bernard, all the rich among the people shall supplicate her from age to age, and particularly at the end of the world, the souls richest in graces and virtues shall be the most assiduous in praying to Our Blessed Lady, and in having her always present as their perfect model for imitation and their powerful aid for help. This will come to pass particularly at the end of the world, and indeed presently, Because the Most High, with His Holy Mother, has to form for Himself great saints who shall surpass most of the other saints in sanctity, as much as the cedars of Lebanon outgrow the little shrubs. These great souls, full of grace and zeal, shall be chosen to match themselves against the enemies of God, who shall rage on all sides, and they shall be singularly devoted to Our Blessed Lady, illuminated by Her light, strengthened with Her nourishment, led by her spirit, supported by her arm and sheltered under her protection, so that they shall fight with one hand and build with the other. With the one hand they shall fight, overthrow and crush the heretics with their heresies, the schismatics with their schisms, the idolaters with their idolatries, and the sinners with their impieties. With the other hand they shall build the temple of the true Solomon and the mystical city of God that is to say, the Most Holy Virgin, called by the Fathers, the Temple of Solomon, and the City of God. By their words and their examples, they shall draw the whole world to true devotion to Mary. This shall bring upon them many enemies, but shall also bring many victories and much glory for God alone. This is what God revealed to St. Vincent Ferrer, the great apostle of his age, as he has sufficiently noted in one of his works. This is what the Holy Ghost seems to have prophesied in the fifty-eighth psalm. And they shall know that God will rule Jacob in all the ends of the earth. They shall return at evening, and shall suffer hunger like dogs, and shall go about around the city. This city which men shall find at the end of the world to convert themselves in, and to satisfy the hunger they have for justice, is the Most Holy Virgin, who is called by the Holy Ghost the City of God. St. Francis de Sales, the great bishop of Geneva and doctor of the Church, who died in 1622, has left in his writings a most valuable treasury of spiritual doctrine. In his meditation on human suffering, he reminds us of the watchful care of divine providence that allows us a participation in the sufferings of Christ. He states, The everlasting God has in his wisdom, foreseen from all eternity, the cross that He now presents you as a gift from His inmost heart. This cross He now sends you He has considered with His all-knowing eyes, understood with His divine mind, tested with His wise justice, warmed with loving arms, and weighed with His own hands to see that it be not one inch too large and not one ounce too heavy for you. He has blessed it with His holy name anointed it with his consolation, taken one last glance at you and your courage, and then sent it to you from heaven, a special greeting from God to you, and alms of the all-merciful love of God. How important these truths are in the light of Christ's own words. We cannot be his disciples unless we take up our cross and follow him. In his book, The Introduction to the Devout Life, St. Francis de Sales suggests that when we suffer, we ought to consider our Lord, his passion. He is crucified, forsaken, blasphemed, overwhelmed with every kind of injury and sadness, and yet he patiently endures it all for love of us. Consider also, he says, that our sufferings, either in kind or degree, can never even approach all that our Lord endured for us. From the House Stops is produced by the Slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Still River,
2: Massachusetts.